Welcome back to the Red and White Authority, everyone. I'm Art Regner. Joining us is the TSN Director of Scouting, uh, Craig Button. And uh, let's get right into it. Craig, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, first and foremost, I guess, just an overall uh, view of the draft. I know that uh, we, we, we wrote a story on the, uh, on the Red Wing website, and you were our main source, uh, a pre-draft article, which we really appreciate. A lot of great insight. You said that it was a good draft. Uh, and that most of these fellows that were drafted, you'd have to wait most teams two to three years. Is seeing it and the way it unfolded, that's probably, I would assume, pretty much your assessment still. Yeah, it is. I mean, nothing really changes from the time they've been drafted. I mean, the the, the large majority of these players are, are going to need, uh, you know, time. And and the, and the key word here uh, for NHL teams is you got to. You got to be patient, and if you're not patient, then you're rushing players ahead a little bit. But uh, I said this, and I think there's uh, a lot of good players that were in this draft, but they're not going to be as ready-made or uh, as close as, as maybe other years. That you know, when you only have to wait a year. When you look at the uh, any surprises, anything stick out to you? Players that may have dropped more than you thought, or players that were taken maybe higher than you thought. You know, one of the things about this draft arc that I think was very clear, uh, you know, almost from from mid-January, I would say, is that there was a really good sense of who the players were that were in contention to be drafted in the first round. And, and that number was very low. That number was 35 or so players. And, uh, you know, when, you, when I go back to the draft now and see how it unfolded, I was right. Those players were. That was the players. We knew who the players were. What we didn't know was where they were going to go in the draft. So, you know, I've said this all the way through. I I thought it was so close between so many players that a team could have had a player 17th on their list. Another team may have had that same player 8th. And a team could have had a player 6th on their list, and another team could have had that player 19th. And, you know what, I think that that was what, was a, a real defining uh, trait of this draft. A number of teams that I talked to said that they were they were they were willing to move back in the draft. Well, to move back in a draft, you need teams that want to move up in the draft. And I think just because of that, everybody was close, and everybody looked and said, "Well, this player's pretty good. He's maybe not that much better than that player, or you know, there's not that big of a difference." And I think that that's why you didn't see very many uh, picks being traded in, in, in the draft. I mean, the Dallas Stars traded up from 29 to 26, I believe, to take uh, uh, Jake Ottinger, the goalie, because they wanted to get up there. Other than that. Everybody pretty much, you know, stayed in their spot. They didn't really move back to acquire an extra pick for the most part. They really stuck, stuck with what they felt, and I, I think that that's a reflection of, of how the draft was viewed. Well, going in, I can remember Tyler Wright. I talked to him after. He was, I guess, on our last uh, Red and White Authority, our last podcast. He... The Red Wings had 11 picks. He thought for sure that they would probably trade at least one, if not two, possibly even three. And as the day unfolded, he said, you know, we just like all everybody, as you just said, was kind of bunched together. And we liked the player. Why not draft him? And that's why they decided that they were going to hold on to everybody. 
Yeah, and, and that's what ends up happening. And I think, and I think that was a, a, like the prevailing view by all NHL teams. And that's why I think you didn't see uh, very, you know, teams a lot of times are looking, oh my God, that guy's high on their list. Let's trade up and get him. We won't get him at this point. And, you know, teams are going, yeah, okay, well, we'll get an extra pick. We'll move back. We, we think we got a player here that we'd like to get that we wouldn't get if we didn't have an extra pick. So I think it, but they have to work hand in hand. And I think that, uh, again, both teams were very happy to just kind of take their picks. And they've done the work, they've done the assessments, and then just, you know, pick away. When you look at the Red Wings specifically, and I, and I know that they're all over the board. I mean, a lot of people here locally and some of the pundits out there are really hammering uh, the Red Wings with their picks. What is your assessment of Detroit's overall draft? Yeah, here's what I would say, Art, is that be careful about assessing a draft three days after it or four days after it or a week after it. You know, these players have potential. And now one of the one of the essential things for the Red Wings is take those players. You drafted them because you believe in them. You drafted them because you identified qualities that you think can make them good NHL players. And now what you have to do is, and you've recognized also, you know, maybe where some of the short shortcomings are, but now what you have to do is develop them, and, and now this that that becomes such an important aspect uh, of this process. And you know, I, I know in four years' time, people, oh, this guy didn't turn out well. It might not be it was a bad pick. You may not have developed them properly, or you may not have uh, developed them, uh, or you may have tried to develop them too quickly. So I would be really careful with people assessing a draft uh, so soon after it. I don't think you can. Uh, I think if you look at it, everybody's going to say, oh, they should have taken this guy over that guy. That's just personal preference. You know, what I look at is, is who did they take? What does that player bring? Because that now is the Red Wings player, and now we can assess it and see, uh, you know, how that player grows and, you know, how other, you're going to assess how other players uh, grow and uh, how they develop. But, I mean, that's the way I would look at it, and I wouldn't pay much attention to what other people are saying, to be honest with you. Craig, how much do you lay whether a player develops or not on the organization and the player himself? I, uh, it seems that all these NHL teams, they're huge investments each and every draft pick. Uh, they want them certainly do, to do well. They will do whatever is necessary, what the player needs in order to develop. But at the end of the day, is it really up to that individual player? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's up to the individual player, but you got to keep in mind that the the individual player also has to be given the proper guidance and the proper direction and, you know, and and understand that not all players are on the same uh, timeline. Some players are going to move along the timeline a little bit quicker than others. And you got to understand that in development. It's it's no different art than when you're a, a math teacher in high school and you have a class of students and you start out the beginning of the year and you know what the curriculum is, some students are going to get a little bit quicker, some students are going to take a little bit longer and you got to approach them uh, in teaching it a little bit differently, some students are, are not going to get it and, and, and they're going to have real challenges in, in, in satisfying uh, the requirements of the curriculum. It's no different than, than a hockey player. So I, I don't think students go into a classroom in a math class and go, I don't want to learn. I think they do want to learn. I think they do want to get better. And I think hockey players do as well. If, if, if you've got an issue with a player that, 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 that 
somehow didn't put in the effort or didn't want go right back to the selection process because you made a bad selection if that's the case with a player. When you look at uh, at the Red Wings uh, draft, and uh, I want to get into some uh, some of the uh, specific players, but some of the things that I've been reading, and, and I know you just said that you know you've got to really temper uh, what you read, uh, you know, a week or two after a draft. But it did say that Detroit seemed to you know maybe reach for a player or two or take a risk. And I know in the pre-draft article that uh, that was in DetroitRedWings.com that you were. Uh, as I said, our main source. Uh, you talked about you have now, over the years, have started to shy away from the safe pick. Did the Red Wings make risky picks, or were they thinking outside, I hate this term, but I'm going to use it, as thinking outside the box? I mean, was this a, a draft when you look at it that Detroit said, listen, everybody's all over the board after the first 30 or 32. Uh, we're just going to go with our gut and, and take a risk on a player or two and, and see what happens. Well, here's, here's what I would say to that. And, and, and one of the things, and, and it's probably good for me to just define a little bit deeper what I mean by safe pick. Mm-hmm. What I mean by safe pick is that you look at a player and you go, okay, we, we see that we think he'll be this, and we, we think he falls into this, you know, kind of framework of, of a player. And, you know, he might be a third-line player, you know, maybe scores... 18 goals instead of 15, and you're pretty sure what you're getting, right? Like, you're pretty sure what you're getting. And, and that can be comforting because, you know, okay, I, I know exactly what we're getting here. It might not be high end, but at least we're getting a player. And, and, and nothing wrong with that philosophy. But what I believe in is, and I'm not talking about, you got to measure your risk. you got to assess your risk. I'm not talking about, I mean, I'm not talking about drafting a six-goal score and saying, we think that he's going to be a 50-goal score. It just doesn't happen. I, I, I'm saying you take, a, you take a player and you say, listen, we, we, we think this guy's going to be a player, but we think that he could, you know, instead of, you know, we think that for sure he can be a, 18 goal score, but we really, really think he could be a 30 goal score. And, you know, there might be a little bit more work in it. There might be uh, some elements uh, of the player's game that you say, we got to dig in a little bit deeper in our development to help them understand that. And, and let me give you a perfect example of that. And, and, and I'm going to give you an example. And, and the Red Wings could have drafted him. And, and, and I certainly don't think that the, the, the guy they took first, uh, uh, Michael Rasmussen, uh, I think it was a good, good, solid pick. But Owen Tippett, he went 10 to the Florida Panthers. Owen Tippett is a, is a real top-end goal scorer. Real top-end goal scorer. Now, I can tell you this about Owen, okay? You look at Owen and you can look at some of the areas of his game and you go, he doesn't do this very well, he doesn't do that very well. But the one thing he does exceptionally well is score goals. So, is there risk in taking Owen Tippett? Perhaps. But as long as you acknowledge what the player is and you acknowledge where some of the shortcomings may be and you recognize that the area of his, that the, the, the skill that you want and the skill that he possesses is something that's really, really high end, that's what I mean by, you know, going for it. And quickly to get in, I don't want to quickly get into it, but it just kind of reversed back to Michael Rasmussen. That's exactly the same way I feel about Michael Rasmussen. I mean, we got this big man with lots of reach, and, and Art, I think 
I use the term, not only does he have physical reach, he's also got mental reach. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean he understands how to get his sticks, on the stick on the pucks. He understands how to find the puck around the net. He plays around the area of the net. You know, I, I use the example of, of Thomas Holmstrom. So if I said to you that the Red Wings got another Thomas Holmstrom at ninth overall, would you be disappointed? I mean, would you be disappointed? I would not be. No, okay. I would. So to me, so so to me, that's the very like. I think that if you, if I just to give a loose parameter, I think that at the very least, Michael Rasmussen can be that. Well, there's a guy that just went into the Hall of Fame that is put into the Hall of Fame. His name is Dave Anderchuk. So if I told you now that Michael Rasmussen could be Dave Anderchuk, what do you think about that? I think that I would be ecstatic, Craig. And, and that's how I look at it. So I'm not smart enough to tell you that he can't be Dave Anderchuk. I'm not saying he will be Dave Anderchuk. But when you watch somebody that big with, uh, you know, his hands that are so good, his awareness that is so good, his ability to maneuver in that tight area and the way the game is being played, that's what I mean by, you know, not just going safe. Like, safe is saying, well, the best he can be is Thomas Holmstrom. I want better than Thomas Holmstrom, and, Thomas, and I don't want that to come across negative because I love Thomas Holmstrom. But right. at ninth overall, uh, so that's so that's how I look at Michael Rasmussen in terms of range. Is a, a couple of other draft picks. I know the pick number thirty-eight in the second round, Gustav Lidstrom, was somebody that surprised I think everybody in the draft. Uh, not many people have seen him play. Uh, I know you haven't, but it seems that the initial reports seem to be pretty high on uh, Gustav Lindstrom. Okay, so just like I'll tell you what. Okay, I, I, I can tell you this about Gustav Lindstrom. I haven't seen him play, but people that I trust, and people in the NHL, and people in Sweden that I trust, and and, and you know his name came up to me in the spring about a player that that, that, that was pretty good, and you should you should maybe try to see. Well, I didn't have the opportunity to see him. So he's a player that came onto the radar screen. He's a player that teams went over there and watched. And I can tell you this, talking to people in the NHL, that, that they think. He's a really good player. I know there was a number of teams, a number of teams that were maneuvering to try to get in position to take Lindstrom. Like, they wanted him, and they were disappointed that they didn't get him. And that tells me a lot about a player and, and what people thought about him. And, you know, you think about Hawk and Anderson. And Hawk and Anderson, the longtime European scout for the Detroit Red Wings, you know, he, he doesn't miss very much. And when, when I say he doesn't miss very much, he doesn't miss players that are on the radar screen. He doesn't close his mind to things. He's continuously watching and then spotting these types of players. And I think that he wasn't the only one in the NHL. There was others, but they got him. And I hear that he's good with the puck, can skate, can think. And you know what? You look at defensemen, uh, you know, this is the pick again. So just because he, he, he's come onto the radar screen, just because he hasn't played nationally for Sweden, doesn't mean he can't be good or he won't be good. And, and again, that's what I mean by not a safe pick. A safe pick would be, well, everybody knows about him. You know, he's not a late bloomer. I love that fact that they went after him. 
when you look at uh, some of the other players, and I know we only have you for a limited time today, Craig, so uh, uh, anybody else that really jumps out at you? I, I want to throw one at you, and I'm not sure uh, he's going to be playing for Quinnipiac uh, uh, this fall, but it was the goaltender, Keith uh, uh, Petrozelli. Uh, it seemed, at least around the, uh, the halls of the uh, United Center in Chicago, that they really thought that the Red Wings got, I'm not going to say a steal, but a very, very good player that is going to make it into the NHL. Well, and, and again, like I like to, you know, you, you look at what he's been able to do. He's been a, he's been a good solid goaltender. The biggest thing for me is, is that he just needs time. He needs time to work on his technique. He needs time to like he goaltenders are like pitchers in baseball. And you know what? You, you draft a, you draft a high school pitcher. He can throw. You're really drafting a thrower. You're drafting somebody with with a live arm and somebody that has a good fastball. Well, I think when you're drafting a goaltender, you're you're drafting a stopper. And and, and and what you have to do is you've got to develop them into being a good goaltender. To see it, a, a thrower has to learn how to pitch. A stopper has to learn how to goaltend. And I think Petrozelli has all the capabilities to be a real good goaltender. I think he's got poise. I think he's got. I think he's just got to work on some coordination, some agility, and I think it's all there. I, I differentiate between what I call. Uh, 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 Developmental flaws and inherent flaws. Inherent flaws are really, really, really hard to overcome and, 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 to, and to change. Developmental flaws are ones of strength, agility, coordination, that you just got to give it time. And I, it goes back to that development model, and I think that's, that's where you got to get to. You know, just a couple of other guys. Like, they drafted Zach Gallant from Peterbilt. Mm-hmm. Now, Zach uh, ended up... Zach ended up nearly losing an eye this year. I don't know if people know that. No. Uh, uh, with, a, with an accident, and he came back. But I'll tell you about Zach. Zach didn't score a goal in his rookie year in the uh, OHL. And then he just worked and worked and worked. He's smart. He's tenacious. He's in the guts of the action. And, you know, those types of players, you watch them, and you, they might not be the prettiest of players, but they always show up in the right places at the right times making important plays. So, again, he needs some time. Lane Zablocki, he got traded from Regina to Red Deer. And he's another player like Zach Glenn, what I call important players. You know, I, I, I would never want to compare somebody to, uh, to a player that had so much success. But Danny McCarty had a lot of success with the uh, Detroit Red Wings. You, when you first saw Darren come to the Red Wings, he was kind of raw and kind of crude. And I, but, but he had that drive. He had that determination. He was going to find a way to, to show people I can play. And, and then he just kept getting better and better. I feel the same way about Sablocki. You, you're not going to get any toe-drag moves or end-to-end rushes, but you're going to get a really good, fierce competitor. Somebody that wants to try to make a difference in the game. And quite frankly, it's absolutely no fun to play against. Neither is Zach Galant. And the other young man, Casper Cotconsalo, I mean, he's going to be you. So, so you got a, a, a big, rangy defenseman, and, and he is smart. He understands how to play the, the position well. He maneuvers around the ice, uh, you know, with, with his mind, understanding where he's got to go. What he's got to work on is strength and letting physical maturity come his way. And he's going to get that there. He's going to get that there in a big, big way because of the way they work with their players and the way they put an emphasis on skill. So when I start to look at players that, that, that they can think, you know, they got puck skills.
skills. Yeah, there's some areas of the game. If Zach Gallant was a better skater, he'd have been a second-round draft pick. But he isn't. But you got to recognize, okay, here's a little bit of an area that, you know, he might need to improve on. But we like everything else about him. And that's where I come back to the development part of it for, for their first six picks. You know, that those are guys that you got to recognize, here's what we like about him. Here's what we think we can improve upon. Now let's get to work here. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, our, uh, like you know, certainly when I look at the at the positions to play, the style of game they play, the energy, the, the determination that they play with, I, I think that's real solid, and that's all you can ask from a draft class. Uh, Craig, one final question because I know you have to run here. But uh, Spencer Fu, a highly touted uh, college free agent. Uh, he plays at uh, Union College. He's from Edmonton. Is going to announce his choice, and it's uh, Red Wings are in the mix for him to uh, sign as a free agent. He's uh, he's a pretty big kid. Uh, he's six feet, one hundred eighty-five pounds. Had sixty-two points. He's a right wing center. Shoots right. Uh, can you tell us anything about him? And have you heard that uh, maybe he might be wearing the red and white? Well, I, I haven't heard about him going to the red and white. I, I mean, I, I, he's in that decision-making process. But, but you know, one of the things with college free agents, and, you know, what you're trying to do is you're trying to, they're older. So they have physical maturity and the mental and emotional maturity in place. So, you know, they come in on entry-level contracts. So on a team now, you have, they're on two-way uh, entry-level contracts. There's no risk in signing them. And because they're a little bit older and they're a little bit more mature, they have a chance to come in and play on your lineup at, at a really good price. And if they can't initially, they're on two-way contracts and they go to the minors and you can develop them there. But I think Spencer has is, is got some real, he's a good skater. He's got a real good mind for the game. I don't think he's going to be a scorer at the National League level, but I think he's going to be a player that can create opportunities. And But I don't think he's got the, the great finishing hands or the great shot to be able to score at a high level in the NHL. But... You need players that can do different things. And because he's smart, because he's tenacious, because he's a, a, a quick skater and a good skater, he can create those opportunities by getting in on a puck and he knows how to play and he, he, he makes life, you know, challenging for defensemen. And, you know, you're, you're in a, you're in a battle with him because of, because of that skating. So, you know, I don't think it's like Danny DeKaiser. Danny DeKaiser was a highly sought after free agent, right? Mm -hmm. but Danny DeKaiser was never going to be a great defenseman. What he was going to be was a really good workman-like defenseman. And I don't think there's anything, I don't think anybody's disappointed in Danny DeKaiser. And he came into the lineup, he stepped right in, he's played, he's played well, but he is what he is. And, but when you can add that player and, 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 and then grow with them for free, and, and that's why they're called free agents, I think that's a pretty good deal for the college free agents. All right, Craig Button, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. I know you have to run. Craig, I uh, can't thank you for your insight, uh, not only uh, on this podcast, the Red and White Authority, but uh, about 10 days ago when you uh, uh, took a lot of your time to, uh, uh, to help us with our draft preview. We really appreciate it. Best of luck, and we'll be talking to you very, very soon. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could share some of my thoughts uh, with the fans of the Red and White. All right. Thank you very much, Craig.